Um, the uh, scripture reading this morning is from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 22 to 71. So a bit of a lengthy passage, but uh, we honor God's word, his living word. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Excuse me. <clears throat> when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him, whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am, the bread, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. 
If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Good morning, church. We have a long road ahead of us. So let's start with a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here today to hear your word. As we continue to learn from the story of Jesus' feeding the 5,000, help us to understand that the bread of life is more than just physical food or physical needs, Lord. We ask for your wisdom and guidance as we strive to seek spiritual nourishment and faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we will continue with chapter 6 in the Gospel of John. And after Jesus fed the 5,000, the people wanted to make Jesus their king. You remember that part last Sunday, right? However, 
Jesus withdrew from them and went to be alone to pray. And he sent his disciple off on a boat and walked on water to meet them in the middle of the storm. And then Jesus brings them to the safety to the other side of the sea. But the people who were fed, they were confused about how Jesus had disappeared without a trace. Because they stay in the same place and they were seeing, oh, well, Jesus went to the mountain. He is there. But then he was not there. Right? They searched for him and found him in the other side of the sea. So the crowd was so confused on the physical food that Jesus had provided and now about the location of Jesus. So they didn't understand that what Jesus did was just more than physical food. They had another, they, he, he had another message, important message for them. One commentator says this, the multitude, instead of seeing in the bread the sign, they had seen in the sign only bread. So Jesus, knowing them, he told them in verses 26, if you go and read with me verse 26, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. I know why you are here. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You are all here hanging around me because of the food I gave you yesterday. And so Jesus started to use the bread as a metaphor to reveal them a spiritual truth, to pass on to them a spiritual truth. And that's what we are going to be seeing in this passage this morning. Notice in verse 27, Jesus said to them, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. He reminded the people that physical food would inevitably perish and that they need to seek spiritual food instead. In a sense, our Lord Jesus was again elevating people's view of what life is all about and emphasizing that faith in Him is what God requires. Faith in Him is what is really, really important. But notice the question they ask Jesus in verse 28 and 29. What must we do to be doing the works of God? 
And you may think that they are now getting close, right? And notice, Jesus answered them. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Imagine you invite me for you invite me over for dinner. It's a beautiful meal with my favorite meat cooked to perfection, Caesar salad, baked potatoes with cheese sauce, a glass of wine, and a delicious tiramisu cake with a hot cup of coffee to close the evening. Imagine that. And as we sit back and pat our full tummies, I reach for my wallet and ask, how much do I owe you for this delicious meal? You smile and reply, you don't owe me anything. It's my pleasure to share this meal with you. But I insist and put a $10 bill and a couple of coins as a tip over the table. How would you feel? The offer to pay is an offense, but putting the insignificant amount of money makes it even worse. Don't you think? That was what's happening here in this passage. The question they asked was, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What can we do to pay for God's gift of eternal life? The answer, of course, is nothing. What God wants you to do is to believe in me, Jesus replied. That's all. In simpler terms, the bread that lasts forever is given to us freely. The bread that God is giving us through Jesus is free. And we can do nothing, we can do nothing to pay for it. Sadly, the people in the crowd didn't get what Jesus was saying. And in their lack of understanding, and, and their lack of understanding is evident in verses 30 and 31. Instead of continuing the conversation and trying to understand what Jesus was saying, they changed the subject and challenged Jesus with this in verse 30 and 31. Then... What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Do you want to know what these people were asking Jesus right here? The people were asking Jesus for more than just one miracle. They, they wanted bread from heaven. They wanted, they were saying to Jesus, 
If you come from heaven, so then be like Moses. Give us food and give us freedom. Give us a sign. Even though Jesus had just performed a miracle the day before, they still wanted to be satisfied with material things because they thought the Messiah was here to give them what they wanted, satisfaction for their physical needs and freedom from the Roman Empire, nothing more. In other, in other words, they were just thinking on the temporary things that they can see, that they can touch. Nothing more. So Jesus, again, realized that they were a little bit confused and made this correction, verse 32 and 33. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Let's fix that right now. It was not Moses. But my father said, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he. Notice. The bread of heaven is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. We can see that the people gathered around Jesus struggled to understand his message. They knew he was challenging their religious system, telling them that the bread that they receive came from God and not from Moses. And while they recognized that Jesus was speaking about something beyond the physical world, they still had to grasp the full meaning of the words of Jesus. And that is why they kept asking Jesus for the same thing over and over and over. Even though he had already explained his message to them. It's like a teenager asking for, for permission to go to a place and their parents don't want them to go to that, that place. And they explain, they explain to him the reasons why it's not a safe place for him to go. But the teenager at the end, while well, he's nodding, aha, uh -huh. yes, yes. So, may I go? So, can I have permission to go? The people listening to Jesus kept asking for the same thing. Notice what it says in verse 34. Sir, give us this bread always. I mean, if, we're, if I were Jesus, I was like, right? No. Jesus wanted them to understand the truth. And this is the plain truth that Jesus told them in verse 35. Okay, let's put it in plain words. 
Verse 35. I am the bread of life. Are you confused? Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. My friends, this is a bold statement. If you think about it, when God gave the Israelites manna in the desert, they could go outside and pick it up from the ground every day. But they also had the choice to walk on it and reject the manna. In the same way, Jesus was in front of them. And he was telling them, I am the manna. I am the bread of life. You want eternal life. You need me. There is no way you can go to have eternal life apart from me. Those who come to him will never hunger. And those who believe in him will never thirst. Nothing else in this world can truly satisfy us. The most expensive vacation, the most exclusive party, the trendiest clothes, the fanciest cars, the biggest house, the greatest bank account, nothing apart from Jesus will bring us lasting satisfaction. And the example is that if you have breakfast to, today in the morning, I am 100% sure that tomorrow you will take another breakfast. Maybe if you are on a diet, you will do it on Tuesday. But there is no way that you will stop having breakfast. That was the message that Jesus was trying to pass on them. And not just that satisfaction of having things and being provided for everything. The sense of belonging. The journey that every human being has of belonging. Jesus was offering them as well to be fulfilled through him. And that's what we read in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Never again. That sense that you don't know where to belong. You belong to Jesus. And once we belong to him, notice what verse 39 says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing. 
that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. And then you can put there your name. What a beautiful, what encouraging statement. And not just that, but raise it up on the last day. You belong, and at the end, I will raise you up with a glorified body for eternal life. These words are words of comfort and to give us hope to all those who believe in Jesus. He promised, I will never cast you out. Assuring us that once we come to him, he will always be part, or he or she will always be part of his flock. These comforting words are for all of us who have believed in him. Have you believed in Jesus as the only source of lasting satisfaction? Have you believed in Jesus as the one who came from heaven to provide for you eternal life? If so, you can rest assured that your soul is safe in the hands of Jesus. I will never, ever reject you. You are a precious gift from the Father to His beloved Son. You came to believe in Jesus because of the grace of God. And now He will always cherish, cherish, love and protect you as His own. That, my friend, is more than what we can have with possessions, with food, with everything that we can accumulate in this earth. Now this seem, seems to be a very, a very easy and convenient deal, don't you think? No matter what I do then, I am promised eternal life. I'll take it. Not so. Not so. Notice when we read then later in verse 51, he is telling them, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This eternal life. This new life, this new belonging, this full protection, it has a price. That's what we read in the last part of verse 20, uh, 51. And the bread that I will give for the life. So there is something that is going to be paid for the life that Jesus will give us. And is my flesh. That's what Jesus said. 
Believing in Jesus also means believing there is a price to be paid. And those who believe in him remember day after day that his flesh was the payment for us. His blood was the price for our sins. Verse 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. There is no way we can live thinking that this is an easy and a convenient way of life, doing what we want, because in this passage, when Jesus talks about his flesh and his blood, he is talking about his crucifixion. The Roman whip, the crown of thorns, the nails, and the spear that brutally hurt his body. He's talking about a payment. Jesus tells us that we must accept and believe that he came from heaven and was made a sacrifice for us. When we believe this, there is no way we can live however we want because this sacrificial love of Jesus, of taking the judgment we deserved, compels us to live the way He wants us to live. That sacrifice moves us away to live the way we want to live and produce a desire to live in that different way. But now close uh, listen closely, my, my dear friends, for this is a crucial point that deserves our undivided attention. As we reflect on the teachings of Jesus in this chapter, we must acknowledge that there was one message that truly tasted, tested the faith of his followers. It was not that he would not give them bread every day for their bellies. They didn't get offended by that. It was not that he was greater than Moses. It was not that he came from heaven and was the bread of eternal life. Do you want to know what really offended them? It was the truth about the immense sacrifice that Jesus had to make in order to bestow upon them the ultimate gift of eternal life. That really, really offended them. I need to pay for you, for your sins. My flesh and my blood is the payment for all your faults. And this message proved to be the most challenging and provocative of all. Making many of his disciples feel profoundly conflicted and uneasy. That message made his disciple, not just the crowd, 
his disciples to grumble. So Jesus said to them, mm-hmm. do you take offense of this? Are you offended about this? Of course they were offended. The word offense is scandalized. Are you scandalized about this? And nothing caused more scandal among Jesus' disciples than the message of the cross. And nothing makes Christianity more scandalous than the message of the cross. Notice that the Ten Commandments may not be that celebrated, but nobody says much about that. They generally not meet uh, any of the commandments with hostility. The story of Jesus' birth is usually well received. And most people appreciate the concept of resurrection. They love the concept of Easter, a new life, a new beginning, a new season. Yay! However, the idea of Christ at the cross paying for our sins is where many people draw the line. The cross of Jesus can be hard for some people to accept for different reasons. Let me tell you two of them. First, it means that we can't save ourselves by being good or doing good things. And that, my friends, is very offensive. Because that means in... Mathematical terms that we are zero to the left. The cross tells us that we are lost in sin and only Jesus' death can save us. But the second reason, the second reason is that the cross asks us to believe in Jesus alone for salvation. Many people are not offended if someone suggests that Jesus is just one of the many ways to eternal life. However, the message that Jesus is the only way to eternal life, that is offensive. And now you can start to understand what they, the disciples, were thinking. Hmm, what do you mean, Jesus? I'm a Jew. We have a pretty good system, religious system, to get close to God. And now you are telling me that I need to leave everything aside to believe in you. Uh, you are the son of this Joseph uh, Carpenter and of Mary. What do you mean? 
the message of the cross is that without Jesus, there is no way for humanity to be saved. So Jesus told them in verse 63, if you read it then later, the flesh is not helping at all. Means you and me, we are not help at all in this matter. The concept of eternal life being a gift from the Father can be offensive because it implies that salvation is not based on our own efforts. The flesh is not helping at all. This is a work that the Holy Spirit of Christ produces in you when you believe. And that's what you read. We are not going to read the full passage again. But I challenge you to read it slowly today again. In the end, Jesus asked the 12 disciples, Ha! Huh, do you want to go away as well? I mean, imagine Jesus being so serious and asking you, do you want to go away? I love Peter. <laughs> Peter. Verse 68 and 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. What you are telling me right now maybe is offensive because you are telling me that I am of no use for my salvation. But these are the words of eternal life. And Peter says, and we have believed. And have come to know. Notice first is believe and then to know. It's the opposite of what our society is telling. And you need to know first and then you believe. And Peter said, no, I believe and now I know that you are the Holy One of God. You are the pure sacrifice of God who will take my place for my sins. He did not deny that Jesus' words were difficult to receive, but recognized that those words are eternal life for him. And as believers, my dear friends, sometimes, sometimes we feel that giving up, eh? Are you feel that sometimes? We need to remember that it's only in Jesus that we can have eternal life. We can search in other places, but we won't find them in other places 
but we won't find them in other religious teachings, philosophical ideas, or popular culture. I know this is maybe offensive, but Jesus is the only source of eternal life. In Christ alone, we can find eternal salvation and forgiveness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us of the importance of seeking spiritual food and putting our faith in you and in you alone. Help us, Lord, to remember that we cannot pay for the gift of eternal life. Help us to continue to seek in you the truth. And to take as well our cross every day and follow you. Bless us as we go about our daily lives and may we always strive to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray.